Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Welcome to Fountain Springs. If this is your first time at, at a place other than, than the Civic Center, it looks pretty much the same wherever you're at. Being sarcastic completely. Uh, some of you, you're trying church out maybe the first time or the second time, and so let, let me give you some where we're at kind of stuff. This is a new beginning, a new series. And maybe you're currently in the stage of life, you're like, I want a new beginning, a fresh start. So here's what we're going to do. Start a new series, and we're going to talk about music. You probably have an opinion about music. You probably think there is a good kind of music, and there's a bad kind of music. And you would gladly voice that if I asked you, then I'm not going to ask you, though, okay? But here's what I know about music, is it, it shapes us. Many of us, when you're just trying to relax, you'll put certain music on. You work out, put certain music on. A rainy day, certain music on. A sunny day, certain music. Most of us have certain music that we just feel things from. So I nerded out for a little bit, and I studied music and found there are certain themes that walk through music that repeat. The lyrics change, but the subject at hand, well, it changes. There's about seven of them, actually. So we're going to do that. There's a whole series. We're going to use music to learn all about God and life. So let's just go at it. And, and you've, you've heard this first song, but let me go some of the lyrics in case some of you, you're like, you're just enamored by it. And you're like, well, what were the lyrics? Let me, let me show you some. Say something. I'm giving up on you. We started it with a really happy one. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, uh, I'll be the one if you want me to anywhere. I, I would have followed you. Say something, I'm giving up on you, and I am feeling so small. It was over my head. I know nothing at all, and I will stumble and fall. I just ruined the song for some of you. You're like, I didn't realize it was so sad. <laughs> and, but, but what I love about this song are the lyrics. Because the lyrics put onto the table something that you and I need to talk about. 
because you've likely been there. You've been at a place where if you wrote music or could write music, you would have written something similar. And so what that song brings up is a sense, a, a feeling of desperation. My guess is you've been there. Maybe you're there now. So what we're going to do with this song, we're going to learn all from God about this song, but here's the question. What do I do when I feel desperate? Do I just write a song about it? Well, if you can make millions of dollars doing it, go ahead and do it. But what I think about this is what if, what if before the, the first time you felt desperate, what if someone had told you what God thinks about being desperate and what to do when you feel desperate? Don't you wish someone would have just brought the subject up? Hey, there's going to be some day that you just feel desperate. And most people, when we're desperate, make stupid choices. In fact, most of us, that's the answer. When someone says to you, hey, why'd you do that? I was desperate, right? That's what we do. Well, what if, what if you don't have to wreck your life because you get desperate? What if you don't have to throw away a relationship or finances or enter a, a horrible season of life because you're desperate? What if you and I could have a conversation before. Now, some of you are like, no, I'm there right now. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of this. And so, but I think this is a life question that music brings up. Listen, music brings it up and God solves it. So, if you want this solved, if you're like, please tell me the answers now. Well, wait, because we got to learn through this, okay? But there is a story. There's a story in the Bible really happened that teaches all about what to do when you're desperate. I'll give you some backstory. The backstory is there's a group of people known as the Israelites or the Hebrews. They were oppressed for about 20 years. If you're like, what does oppressed mean? It means horrible, okay? I mean, you can go back in history and learn that it meant people were hurting them and doing bad things and things were bad. It was just bad. They were oppressed. Then they got out of the oppression, for 40 years living in freedom. Things were going great. But you know what you and I often do when all of a sudden we get out of like bad situations and go to good? There becomes a moment where you forget about how bad it was and you, and you kind of abuse your freedom. Well, that's what happened. Into that 40 years of freedom and amazingness, they abandoned God. They're like, who is he? What? Who is he? I don't remember him. And they entered, because of their own stupidity, a new season of oppression. Now, you need to know how this played out. For seven years, they entered a season of oppression that was horrible. Don't take it lightly what this oppression was. There's a group called the Midianites, and they hated the Israelites. In fact, let me, let me, let's go into the story, and you and I are going to learn about what we do when we're desperate. Uh, the enemy, these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. Now, I I grew up in in Kansas and Indiana. We are very familiar with bugs that are like will swarm you and do craziness. Some of us are like I've never experienced that. Right? Okay. So, in case you don't understand, I thought it would be pertinent to show you what a bunch of locusts together flying all around and doing crazy look like. So here's what this looks like. So it, I, 
I am, I, I love visuals, okay? So, so, do you have, lock this in, as weird as it is, and now let's go back to the verses that I'm reading to you. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. If you're like, what's that mean? There's a ton of them, a ton of them. They arrived on droves of camels, in case you didn't get the whole locust thing, too numerous to count. Like, I did horrible with story problems. Okay, there's a lot of them, a ton of them. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. It's important. Let me give you a little bit more. Here's what they were doing for seven years. The Midianites would wait for the Israelites to grow their crops. Many of us are familiar with that. You're, you're from the environment where you, you watch things grow up. You know, like it's kind of fun to watch people like grow that, and it's awesome. Some of you have your own gardens, and it's awesome. Well, can you imagine growing things, investing the time, you know, pulling the weeds, doing all of that? Then a group comes, they don't like you, they come and take it all. As soon as it's ready to harvest, you're like, you're excited, you're excited, and a group comes in, takes it all, burns the houses down, kills the livestock, takes some of them with them, and leaves. And you're going, oh no. See, for most of us, that would be a tragic moment. Can you imagine that? So the next season, you go, okay, we're going to rebuild our lives. You know, that was a bad moment, bad season. So they would plant crops again, raise livestock again, rebuild their homes. The Midianites would come in again, do the exact same thing. They literally sent spies to know the perfect season to go steal the harvest. This happened for seven years. And you know what happens if you have a bad season after a bad season after a bad season. It does something to your soul. And they didn't. The Israelites stopped. They'd like, forget this. They actually began to stop growing crops, stopped having any optimism at all about life. They began to retreat into caves and just say, we're just going to die in the caves. And we have historical documentation. They literally resigned themselves. We're just going to starve to death because we can't handle this. I would call that desperation, right? For years this was happening. And near the end, when they were, I think, near collapse, they finally have the thought, we should talk to God about this. Now, don't hate on them because you and I typically follow the same pattern. We were like, life's good. Oh, it's, good. Oh, it's bad. God, what are you doing? Right? So finally, they cry out to God. God, we're sorry for what we've been doing. We've abandoned you. We haven't really been focusing on you. Would, you. would you rescue us? And God's like, yep, I will. So he goes and handpicks a guy named Gideon. Says, hey, man, you the man. I got a rescue mission for you. You're going to go to war, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna actually defend the people. You're going to end the oppression. Here's, Judges tells us this. I'm not making this stuff up. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel, Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Some of us are like, I've been waiting for this day all my life. This idea that God would tap you on the shoulder and say, I have a rescue mission and I want you to leave it. And some of us are like, please don't ever ask me. Please, 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 please. It's, it's when you were in class and the teacher asked the question, you're like. <laughs> right? Well, that's what Gideon did. Gideon's like, I don't know, no, uh-uh, no. See, Gideon, <laughs> Gideon was weak. 
Gideon, Gideon was considered a warrior, but not one of the elite. And in fact, if you, if you read the story in the Bible, it'll even spell out. He's like, Mm-mm, no, no, I think your idea is not a good idea, God. And he even begins to argue with God, like, yeah, there's somebody better. In fact, even puts it, he was like, hey, not only am, are, are like we a weak group of people, but uh, I'm the weakest, my clan, my group of people are the weakest of the weakest. And it's a beautiful picture because Gideon feels very, very, very inadequate to be the rescuer. See, when you and I talk about desperation, we also have to talk about inadequacy because many of us in the midst of our desperation have started to focus entirely on ourselves and our own skill sets, abilities, finances, our own understanding, and we're like, I feel inadequate to get myself out of this to actually have any kind of remedy. And if you remember the product, miracle grow. Hmm? Inadequacy is miracle grow for desperation. If you are in a desperate situation right now, if you are also at the same time feeling inadequate, you're going to take your desperation and it's going to blow up. And you're going to find yourself going, not only do I not know how to fix this, but I'm not the person to even participate in this. And I love this story where you've got people being oppressed, oppressed. God's like, hey, I got a rescuer. And the story goes this way. Gideon decides something. I'm going to ask you in a question format what he processes. Here's the question. Are you in or out? That's that's in his inadequacy, he's like, yeah, there's got to be like a stronger clan, better war. Like, do you know who you're picking? Are you in or out? If you want to win against desperation, if you're ever going to encounter a situation and you're like, I want to triumph over this, I want to have victory over whatever you're feeling desperate about, then you have to, the very beginning is, are you going to be in and out? Are you, are you going to quit some moment throughout the process? Now, don't worry. We have a whole weekend dedicated to quitting in this series. I'm going to talk about it entirely today. But it is pertinent that if you are ever going to face a desperate situation, like, what do I do? You decide, are you in or out? Oftentimes, in the midst of desperation, <laughs> we play hokey pokey. Do you remember hokey pokey? Yeah? I, I was introduced to hokey pokey when, when our school would have skating parties. Some of you are like, well, what? A roller skating party. Like we had a party, we got together, and we roller skated in a circle for hours. It was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was before Netflix, okay? It was just... And I remember going to these skating parties, and, and we were like, this is exciting. We, we would like to you know, push our friends down as we were roller skating, and that was fun. And then they'd play the, like, the romantic song, and you're like, where's the girl? Got to hold her hand. And roller skate and pretend like I know what I'm doing. But at almost every roller skating party, they would do the hokey pokey. If you're unfamiliar with the hokey pokey, I will embarrassingly help you understand this. On roller skates, do not miss the fact on roller skates. On roller skates, you would get in a circle and it would be like, you know, put your right foot in. Put your right foot out. Somebody would be like, oh yeah. 
Put your right foot in. You shake it all about, right? One foot on a skate. Are you visualizing me at least? <laughs> at least visualize in. Yeah, and that's exactly what we would do. We're, we got this DJ, I think, only doing it because he loves to watch school crowds come in and fall on their faces. And, and we would do this, and we would all fall and laugh at each other, push each other, and we were right foot in and your right arm in, in and out and in and out. And it was, it was funny, hilarious, and fun. And it's a horrible way to live life. But many of us right now, in the midst of our desperation, our, our, our moment, I'm in, I'm in. Oh, I'm out, I'm out. I'm in. I, I, today's going to, I'm out. This is what we do. You, you, I think, I think you, need, you need some examples. <laughs> uh, if you're like me, like, you know what? I'm going to get in shape. Have a salad for lunch. Pizza for dinner. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah. I'm all in. You wake up the next day, new day, right? But, but we do it in even in more serious ways. You know, the, the whole in and out hokey pokey thing with life. And it increases the desperation, right? Oh, I, I know many married couples. David, I want to have an awesome, awesome marriage. And they go to work and they flirt with people that they aren't married to. I, I know people are like, I want to have a savings account. I want to have financial freedom. And then they buy anything and everything that's on sale. Right? You and I have seen it, right? We've, we've all been guilty of something where we're like, I'm all in, I'm all in, and I, oh, now I'm out. I'm telling you, if you are desperate and you play that way, you will lose. You've got to be, you've got to decide that if you're desperate, how do you fight desperation? How do you have victory? Don't, don't do what Gideon did. Like, well, I know there's other people. You, you go in. In fact, some of you right now, well, what's, what's the problem with, with just saying I quit? Just like bailing, right? Going out. Well, then you're going to live in desperation the rest of your life. That's how that works. If you can't stick with something, if you can't stick with it, then you don't get the relationships that you crave or the financial stability that you want or the health that you wish you had. That's what happens if you choose out is you live the rest of your life in desperation. And that's what I would tell you. The beginning of, of fighting desperation is you choose I'm in. And, and many of us right now coming to this moment, we're like, well, I have, I have, I've been playing hokey pokey with life, all right? And so, so now you can decide that. Right now you actually can say, you know what? I haven't done this well, but I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to at least decide that I'm in. And Gideon does decide that he's in. Gideon does actually land on, all right, I don't think I'm a great warrior, but okay. And he assembles an army. 32,000 warriors. I mean, come on, that should like make him, he's like, hey, guess, guess what I did, God? You wanted me to kind of do a rescue thing? 32,000 warriors, I'm sure their faces were painted. I can't, I have no idea, but I'm sure they were ready. I'm sure they were ready to go after this. And now that he's in, he's like, now God's going to do everything. Uh-uh. And in fact, after Gideon assembles this mighty army of 32,000 to go against another army that doesn't even have a number attributed to it. They've got so many. Look, look what God, I find it funny, look what God does. 
the Lord said to Gideon, uh, you have too many warriors with you. It's when you decide, do I, do I speak up yet? No. If I, let, if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Some of you who are like, maybe type A, you're mathematicians, you're like, this is not good. This is not good. If there's 32,000 warriors and a massive army, we, can't, we, 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 we don't have too many. But it brings you and I to the second question I have for you about what do I do when I'm desperate? You answer this question. Will you depend on the odds or God? See, after you decide, I'm in. I'm in. I don't know how to do this. I don't feel like I can do it. But I'm in. Maybe you're thinking about your marriage. You're like, uh, I don't know if they're going to listen. I don't know if they're going to change. I don't know if this is going to be better, but I'm in, I'm in. Maybe it's finances. You're like, all right, I'm in. I'm going to do this. Maybe it is health. And you're like, I'm going to do this. And you've decided I'm, I'm going to be in. Well, then your next thing is you've got to decide, what are you going to lean into, God or the odds? And some of you are like, well, I, I kind of like to have like, good odds. Is that, is that bad? Well, well, no. But when the odds are in our favor, we get overconfident. I don't know if you're willing to admit that. I don't like it personally, but I have to admit it. When the odds are in our favor, when you wake up and you're like, you know what, I think the, the account's good, the health's good, marriage is good, kids are good, I feel good. And we oftentimes, like the Israelites, stop talking to God as much. We get pretty confident in how we're doing, and we get overconfident. Maybe that's where you've been a bit overconfident in yourself, and then things begin to unravel. Now, if you're anything like me, you kind of wonder, like, okay, so, so God wants me to live in this constant stage of desperation, right? That seems manipulative. At least seems mean. No, no, no. Here. God doesn't want you desperate. He wants you dependent. And that's what he's doing with Gideon. Now, this is not an easy process. This is not like, oh, good. I'll tell you, God doesn't want you living in a constant state of desperation where you're crying out with worry and anxiety and pressure. And you're like, I don't know how to do this. He doesn't want you living there, but he wants you to live dependent. Dependent. And he will often allow things to play out in your life and my life that will help us walk to total dependency. Let me show you the story. Because it gets crazy. Therefore, tell the people whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. For those of you who are familiar with or are in the military, can you imagine as you're about to go into battle, someone pipes up, hey, if you're afraid, you really don't have, you don't have to do this. No one says that because this happened. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000. You're like, so if I'm afraid, I get to go home and have a home-cooked meal and not have to maybe die? See ya. That's exactly what happened. And you're like, oh, that's horrible. Well, it actually, actually, it plays out like even worse. But the Lord told Gideon, there's still too many. Some of you are like, this is a horrible math problem. 
Bring them down to the spring, and I'll, I'll test them there. God says he's going to test them. Bring them down to the spring. I'm going to test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. I imagine Gideon's like, I sure hope all of them go with me. And that's not what happened. You can read the test yourself in the Bible. It all depends upon, they went down to get hydrated, to get some water for themselves. Some of them lapped it up, some of them brought it up to their hands, and that whole plan devised, who gets to go to war to rescue the Israelites, to end the oppression? And you're like, I bet 9,000 went. Mm -hmm. Verse 7 tells us exactly what happened. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. In case you tuned me out during that storytelling time, I thought I'd show you just a little chart of numbers. We started off with 32,000 warriors. We moved to 10,000 pretty quickly. And we ended up with 300. Don't forget the fact that these 300, you're like, that's a movie. No, it's in the Bible. And now we got 300 warriors about to go to war against an army who is too many to count. Some of us are like, that's what my life's like right now. Some of you might be like, that's actually my finances right now. Some of you right now are, are in this season. It feels like God's like just taken from you. Are you willing to have that kind of a conversation right now? To admit and confess and, and actually like let it come out of your mouth. Like, I think God's taking things from me right now. And it will mess with your theology, your understanding of God. Do you like him or not? It'll mess with you if God's taking things. Some of you are the opposite. You're like, actually, no, we kind of went from the 300 to the 32,000. Love life right now. What I would tell you is this. In my experience with life, there are two main seasons. There's more, but there's two main ones, and I would label them this way. There are payoff seasons, and there are layoff seasons. If you're currently in a payoff season, I am happy for you. Maybe you got married this year, and you're like, I literally, I'm living the most amazing life ever. It's a season where you feel like it's just a payoff, like God has just blessed you with, with the one. Maybe you got the, the job that you just really want, and you feel like God gave it to you, and this is awesome. You just feel like God has blessed you, taken care of you. You're like, this is awesome, but maybe you're like in a layoff season. Or it feels like God's doing with you exactly what he did with Gideon. And if you're there, you need to know that both of these seasons happen, and both of these seasons require us to look at God. If you're in a payoff season, I'll give you some basic wisdom. Know that there will likely be a layoff season at some point in your life, and that you should save up. <laughs> and if you're in a layoff season, maybe you'll listen very closely to this wisdom from this story. Turn your desperation into dependence. If you're in a season now that it feels like a reduction season, where you feel like life is just taking from you and 
You're like, what, what do I do? Well, I would tell you the, the umbrella preachy answer is to take your desperation and turn it into dependence. And you'd be like, okay, I'll post it on social media and then I'll wake up tomorrow. Right? Doesn't change the truth. The truth is still there. Turn your desperation into dependence. But how do you do that? How do you actually do that? How do you look at desperation and be like, I'm going to overcome desperation. How do I do that? Well, let's look at Gideon. And let me, let me bring something. In chapter 6 and 7, you're going to see this. Gideon said to God. Then Gideon said to God. The Lord said to Gideon. But the Lord said to Gideon. There the Lord told him. The Lord said to Gideon. The Lord said to Gideon. Those are just quotes from those two chapters in the story. And I didn't want you to miss this. If you're desperate, go to prayer. You're like, like prayer? Like, like, like prayer, prayer? Like, like, like written, written prayer for me? No, I, I, w- I would tell you to, to go to prayer and speak what you're wrestling with. Speak this pain that's in your life, this desperate. And I love that Gideon gives us this model that as he's going through ups and downs, like 32,000, 300. Throughout the whole story, and you can easily miss it, throughout the whole story, prayer. The whole story, there's this constant conversation between Gideon and God and God and Gideon, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And many of us, I'm telling you, many of us in the midst of our desperation, we don't really talk to God specifically. If you're anything like me, a lot of times in desperation, God, fix it! And then the next day, fix it, fix it, fix it! And you wonder, maybe I've not been good enough, and maybe God doesn't like me enough to fix it. But we don't speak Him specifically. Like, God, I am desperate about this. This is wrecking me. This is a struggle. I give you my desperation. And you begin to speak with Him about it. You might wonder, like, why doesn't God just fix it? Well, maybe He wants to have a conversation with you. You ever think about that? I've been talking to my oldest son. He's 14. He has wanted to drive since the day he, born, he was born. I mean, it, he came out, I think his first word was car. So I know sometimes kids are like, I don't, I don't want to drive. My kid, every day, so when do I get to drive? When do I get to drive, right? Well, he's near enough, thanks a lot, those who make laws in South Dakota. <laughs> he wants to drive. I want to train him to drive, right? I want to train him. So I remember one day, I was like, hey, hey, I know that you're, you're, you're about to go into this phase of, of life, and I want you to know how to drive. So we went to a parking lot, and I began to teach him and, and lose my mind, and it took me a while to recuperate. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, you know, I want to teach you to drive, so whenever you want to just go practice driving, just, just let me know, and, and we'll go, right? Very simple, simple conversation. So a lot of time passed, and he comes to me all serious. Hey, I thought you were going to teach me to drive. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, we haven't gone. You haven't asked. And he's like, oh, no. I said, hey, bud, you ask. We'll go. But I'm not going to every day come to you. Hey, do you want to go drive? 
Hey, do you want to go to drive? You want to go? No, I, I want a conversation. I want to see a bit of a desire. I want you to lean into this. Could God be could God be looking at you and I the same way where he doesn't just jump in every time like, I'll fix your problem, I'll fix this, I'll do that, I got you, don't worry, you don't have to bring it up, just sit back there, I'll, go, I'll take care of everything. What if he wants us in the midst of our desperation to speak up in prayer consistently, God help me, because he wants us to be dependent. And many of us don't want to be dependent on him, we just want him to fix it. So I would tell you, what do you do when you're desperate? Pray. Pray regularly, constantly. Speak to him about your emotions. If you're mad at him, tell him. He can handle it. But speak it to him. Now some of you are worried. (laughs) See, prayer is not a substitute for a plan. Sometimes we use it that way. Sometimes we're like, oh, sweet, all I gotta do is pray. I mean, I sure hope my son doesn't try this with driving. I hope he doesn't go up to his room and pray and just expect that all of a sudden he's going to be a good driver and that he's going to be just awesome and amazing at this. If he does that, he's never going to be allowed to drive. That's how that's going to work. But some of us, we show up to a test at school like, I prayed. (laughs) And God's like, you need more than that. (laughs) Prayer is not a substitute for a plan. If you're wondering, like, you said there was going to be like two parts to this. Yeah, there are two parts. Pray and plan. What do I do when I'm desperate? Pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. Wear your knees out from bowing down to God, saying, God, I need your help. Pray and implement a plan. Put a plan together. I would tell you oftentimes, if you spend enough time with God, he's going to share a plan with you but you've got to go to him in prayer and then implement the plan. That's exactly what Gideon did. And it is a brilliant plan. Let me show it to you. It's in, again in the Bible. He divided the 300 men into three groups. I don't know if you ever thought, like, if you're about to go against an army that has too many to count, you've got 300, you better get creative. He divided the 300 men into three groups, gave each man a ram's horn, and a clay jar with a torch in it. And you're like, and? No. That's it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns, all around the entire camp, and shout. Now, don't miss this. They're supposed to shout for the Lord and for Gideon, right? That's what they're supposed to shout. But you may not know culture. Why the torch and the horn? Because in that culture, every horn and every torch would have represented tons of troops. It's a brilliant, deceptive plan. So they circle the bad guys And they portray, we have thousands of warriors. And here's what happened. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. 
They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted a sword, which they didn't have, for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, in a panic, in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. A prayer and a plan. Could, could the plan that you're missing right now for your desperation, could you be missing it because you haven't spent much time in prayer? If you want to know about this church, you're like, hey, things, things have gone pretty well for the church. This is awesome what's going on. You need to know anything good has been preceded by prayer. Katie and I have relied on prayer to know how to parent, to know how to be a good married couple, to know how to live life. I'm telling you, prayer. But when you pray, you're going to begin to get a plan, and you implement the plan. So let's, bring, let's, let's go back to where we started. You can regain the confidence and the security. You can regain the confidence and the security that, that desperation took from you. And if you want that, if you're like, I would sign me up. Because many right now, you live with, like, you feel insecure. You, you feel this fear. You're driven by this fear. You're living in desperation. You want that confidence back? I'm not trying to give you some preachy, religious answer. I'm telling you exactly what I've had to apply. Go to prayer regularly. God, here's what I'm messing with. Here's what I'm going through. This is a major struggle of mine. And I began to have a plan come together. What do I do when I'm desperate? I pray and I plan. I hope the next time you're desperate, you'll take a desperate song on the radio and remember, wait a minute, Gideon only had 300. Let me pray for you. God, you are so good. You are absolutely amazing. And God, I will confess to you right now, I do not like, I do not enjoy I do not crave desperate moments. God, I don't like the layoff seasons, and I think most of us don't like those seasons. And God, I pray right now for anyone right now in the season at which they are feeling it's a, it's a reduction time. God, would you give them a peace that you're with them and, and that you've got a plan you want to share with them? God, I pray for any of us the next time we face a desperate situation, God, help us to remember to go to you, to depend on you, because you are faithful and you are powerful. God, we love you. Thank you for constantly being in our lives. We don't deserve it, but we accept it. We love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.